that's the message that Pablo is bringing, that it's not the government and it's not the cartel that's going to save you, but Christ already did that. Hello and welcome to this Action Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Woolworth. Five years ago, Mexican authorities captured El Chapo, one of the most powerful drug traffickers in the world. Now the kingpin is serving his life sentence in prison. For years, a man named Pablo was on this very same path to destruction until he found the narrow path that leads to life. Today you'll hear his amazing story as I'm joined by my Bible League colleagues, Denise and Ryan, the voice you just heard. Welcome to you both. Uh, I got to tell you, I can't wait to hear this amazing story of Pablo, the former cartel hitman, now follower of Christ. But let's talk briefly about life in Mexico and what factors might lead someone to join a cartel. Denise, talk about the abject poverty we often hear in Mexico. Mexico is a big country. There are 55 million people that are considered poor in Mexico. Almost 50% of the population is in a state of poverty. Only 23% of the people in Mexico are considered not poor or not vulnerable. And in the poorest community, the average age for the kids to stop attending school is like 12 years old. And they began to, to work to help their family, to support their family. And sometimes join a cartel is quick money to help their, their families. They become as halcones, hawks, and their main job is to watch the street for the policemen or, or the army. And they have like walkie-talkies and they communicate with the cartel about what, it, what is happening on the streets. And as they go older, they also grow in the cartel and some of them become hitmen. And the average age of, for these children to, to die is like 20 years old. Denise, wow, that is a startling statistic. Ryan, you visited Mexico uh, recently. Uh, what was your takeaway regarding the poverty there? When Denise talks about poverty, we're talking about extreme poverty. We're not talking some of the, some of the impoverished areas we see here. We're talking cinder block buildings. Uh, maybe they have a um, like the corrugated metal, the sheet metal for roofs. Hmm. Families are in one room homes, you know, with maybe one little LED light to light up the whole thing. And their whole lives are, are centered around that. So with being as big of a country as Mexico is, you have that diverse range. Uh, Mexico City, you'll see a lot. And, and that's kind of what we're, we're used to seeing as far as poverty is concerned. But you go to Oaxaca, and that, it's a totally different world. It's a different language. It's a different, it's a different culture. So, so Mexico is incredibly diverse. Um, both economically and culturally and, and linguistically. Gotcha. Denise, what does uh, religious life look like uh, in the country of Mexico? Most of them are Catholics. That doesn't mean that they want to see God or even read a Bible. Most of them consider themselves only Catholics because of their family traditions. Yeah, I saw that nearly 90% in Mexico identify as Roman Catholics. I mean, it's safe to say that an evangelical Christian came to faith after leaving the traditional religion there. What kind of reaction uh, do new believers get from their families? The tradition are really important here in Mexico. So in some cases, accepting Jesus means that they are rejecting their family tradition. That means that their family 
are going to reject them. So the majority of the people who has choose to accept Jesus in their heart, they want to know more about him and they are committed to God with a genuine desire to know him. So they attend church and they are pleased to know more about God. Wow, it's so encouraging to hear, Denise. I know as we hear Pablo's story unfold in just a moment, we'll see how Bible League programs contribute to the growth of the Christian community there in Mexico. Ryan, talk about the cartels. I think we have a narrow idea here in the U.S. what a cartel is and the terror it can inflict on a community. But how does somebody get caught up in a cartel? People, they don't trust the government. The government doesn't trust the people, which leaves a vacuum of where does this trust lie. For many people uh, in Sinaloa, they trust the cartel. And I think for us here in America, we think uh, the cartel is this terrible terrible organization that murders people which of course it is true but it's much more complicated much more gray than that um when you have a government and soldiers coming in that i think denise you were saying there are stories of girls being raped or people their belongings being stolen nobody's there to protect you Mm. from your own government Hmm. you know that creates a huge sense of mistrust obviously so when you have a another organization that comes in and can protect you and sure, your your sons may have to join, but it's protecting the community at large. Yeah, I mean, I've read uh, where a cartel provides that security and a, a place of belonging for its members. And we're talking about cartels because our focus today is sharing the story of Pablo, the former cartel hitman turned church planner. But getting to that point didn't happen overnight. Denise, tell us his story. Well, <laughs> Pablo's testimony, it's a clear example of how God has a purpose for every one of us (laughs) that even before he knew god god had a plan for him so he come from a very poor family and they don't have money for him to to study he need to start working and then he find out that there was uh, this school that it was for free and it was an internship so he need to go and live in school and it was for people to study to become uh, rural teachers. So that's hmm. what he do. Not because he wanted to do it, because that was what available for him. And then he started giving uh, classes in a rural area. And in the same school, he was knowing about communism. And he also become part of a communism group here in Mexico. All right, let me uh, stop you right there for a second. So Pablo, he's born into a materially poor family. He grows up in Mexico um, as a young adult. He attends a school that trains teachers primarily because it's free to him, right? And then he takes up an interest in communism. So how did he get involved with the cartel? His brother was part of a cartel in Los Angeles. And Pablo needed money, so his brother asked him to come to Los Angeles to work with him selling drugs. And that's what Pablo did. He then left the communism um, guerrilla in Mexico and become a cartel member in Los Angeles. His brother sell drugs, but in large scale, and Pablo liked it to, to sell drugs to people. He liked the rush of having the police behind him. Mm. That was something that he enjoyed. <laughs> then his uh, brother died, and the DAA drug was uh, looking for 
Pablo and his brother just died and his brother was the main connection with the cartel. So it was easy for him to just become to Mexico. And here in Mexico, he find a job for five years. He was teacher in, in, in El Fuerte, one of the communities that he has now, a Bible study group. Hmm. And then his contract ended five years and he was in a lot of debt and he was looking for a new job and he couldn't find any. So he thought of going back to a cartel, but now as a hitman. He knew someone in the cartel in Sinaloa and he was looking for him so he can become a hitman for the cartel in Sinaloa. Okay. Wow. Okay, so Pablo, and by the way, we're using an alias for him for security purposes. Um, Pablo is a member of the cartel. He, he trafficked uh, drugs on the street. I heard you say he said he did it because it gave him a rush to have the police on his trail. Uh, and then he collected money from debtors and then beat them up if they didn't pay. Now, in the interest of time, we can't go through all that he experienced. I, I mean, this is great content for a made-for-TV movie, isn't it? But large amounts of cash, drugs, guns, all of that were a daily part of his life. Um, sadly, his brother and his brother-in-law were both killed, and and uh, those deaths really got his attention, didn't they? I mean, Pablo decided he had had enough. But as you just mentioned, uh, Denise, he found himself with no job, no money, and thought he'd get right back into the business of the cartel and went to talk with someone about that. What happened next? And the same day that he was looking for this person, he find an old friend from Los Angeles and starting talking. And this friend from Los Angeles was now a pastor and start talking to Pablo about God. And Pablo start to come attending a church. So since the first time he he started to, to look for God, he hasn't looked back. Wow, absolutely amazing. So he went looking for one thing and uh, ran into his old friend, now a pastor. He found something much better, didn't he? Ryan, you've met this man, Pablo. I mean, could you tell that he had a storied past as a former hitman with the cartel? I can't tell if you could tell when you looked at You wouldn't be surprised. This guy is like six foot something he's a big guy um but you can tell that the the spirit has worked on him because he doesn't come across harsh he certainly comes across as uh direct uh and purposeful filled with purpose but not harsh um that you would expect but his story definitely it very much like paul not only in the church planting but mm -hmm. a life filled with yeah. violence yeah uh, you know, Paul. Paul was on his way to go to go murder some Christians. Mm. That's what that's what he was on his way to mm. do. Pablo was on his way to go kill somebody, but the word stopped him. Somebody spoke the word, and he heard. The Bible tells us very clearly that faith comes by hearing. And like Paul on his way to go murder some Christians, and like Pablo on his way to go, uh, for all intents and purposes, murder someone else, uh, it was the word that spoke into his heart and opened his eyes to the gospel. And then action followed suit, not because it was going to bring him salvation, but because this is a response uh, to what the gospel is. Yeah, amen. And I know I'm overusing this word, but I say it again, his conversion, his ministry, Nothing short of amazing. Uh, Denise, how did Pablo get into ministry? I mean, how long did it take for him to, to get uh, started? He no noticed that God was something that everyone needed in their lives. That's why he had, since the beginning, he has working hard 
to to bring God to, to the people. I think it was like three months hmm. in the church, and he knew that he needed to, to find a place in the community that where he lived. So not only him, but for the all the people in that community to know about God. With his own money, he find a place for the pastor to come to Ruiz Cortines, to have the, the church there. Hmm. And when the pastor couldn't attend the, the service, Pablo didn't tell to the people, oh, sorry, <laughs> the, the pastor didn't come today. He opened his his Bible and started to give mm. Bible studies to the people. And that's when he needed to find something to help him to learn more about God and bring materials to the people that he also not noticed that needed more uh, uh, or wanted to know more about God. That's how he find the Bible League. And he then first started the Project Philip, and then he was invited to attend the church planter training. All right, let me uh, again just pause you for a moment. Uh, So Pablo was part of a church community, and when the itinerant pastor didn't show up one Sunday, he didn't cancel the service. Instead, he got up and preached, and it really was at that point that he desired to learn how to grow as a Christian and as a leader in the church to serve his fellow Christians. And as you say, Denise, that's how he first uh, engaged with Bible League Mexico and gained an interest in Project Philip and church planner training. Tell us more. And something that Pablo is doing when he first met God, start attending a church. The church was like an hour from his house. So he wanted to have a church near his house, not only for him, but for all the people in in the neighbor to, mm. to know God. So he looked for a place, and then he started uh, attending the church planter training, and then he noticed that the importance to find the, the leaders of uh, this church. And what he began to do is he started with a, a new church, and then helping develop leaders. So mm. then they can go to attend the church planter training, and then he moved to another community. Wow, this sounds like the work of Paul. I mean, you know, Paul didn't consider that the gospel had been preached to a region until there was an actual church planted. And that's what Pablo has been doing, right, Ryan? Pablo is going from town to town, going deeper and deeper into the mountains so the gospel can be shared. And he, and he'll stay two or three years until a church is established, and then a pastor is brought up and trained, and then he moved, he and his family move to the next area. Uh, I went to his hometown, and Denise and Israel, the Bible League Mexico's director, uh, we were going around, I I don't know, it it was every few blocks, oh, Pablo started a church here, (laughs) and then the next few blocks, oh, and he started another church here, and it reminded me, when you're walking downtown Chicago, there is a Walgreens on, like, every corner, (laughs) Uh, and that's what it felt like, (laughs) um, is is that there was a church that he started, um, and we visited two or three of them, and there was a healthy amount of people at each one. Mm. Well, I love your Walgreens analogy. Yeah, you and I live in the Chicago area, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Denise is in Mexico. Uh, But you know what that tells us? The gospel truly gripped this man's heart, 
And now with help from Bible League, uh, he's planting churches here and there and everywhere so that new believers have places of worship where they can grow and bring others into fellowship. I mean, that is so encouraging. The other point I think that we got to make sure that we stress about Pablo that is that he he does have a support system, which is his family. His wife and his grandson comes with him the mm. whole way. Mm. Um, from church to church to church, mm. uh, from home to home to home, he is still supported by his family, and his fa- it, it's a family effort in that community. Um, his wife is helping, praying with people, cooking in the kitchen with the women, and developing fellowship there. And, and, and I bring this up because Denise was talking earlier about um, Project Philip and how important that is to families. And it's important for families to see family units working together. Hmm. That's uh, great to hear. And, you know, it's so great that you got to see all of that when uh, the two of you, along with others from Bible League, visited Pablo and several of the churches that he's helped us start. Um, I want to give you, uh, too, the, the, the chance in just a moment to express a final thought. But before I do that, I want you listeners to hear Pablo in his own words and through a translator what his transformation from cartel hitman to a new creation in Christ has meant to him. This is absolutely beautiful. I am a pastor and sower of churches in the state of Sinaloa, and the Word of God saved my life. Christ comes to people and transforms them from top to bottom. Christ moves you. I am very defective. I have a lot to change yet, many things to change. Christianity has everything. When you have a relationship with Jesus, there is everything. Difficult moments, happy moments, sad moments. But wherever you are, there is peace in the middle of everything, and that is the most beautiful. <laughs> the very words of Pablo, uh, spoken to us through a translator, uh, a man truly transformed by the gospel. Ryan, in our final moment together, uh, do you have something you want to share uh, on Mexico or Pablo? The the story that, that we see in Mexico is not altogether different from what we see in the rest of the world. The biggest thing with, with Mexico that comes to the top of my head is that we can pray for that the people— learn and know where where they should put their hope and and their trust around the world even in the u.s putting our faith in the government is not a not a good idea putting (laughs) faith in gangs is certainly not a good idea Mm. and when you're in in remote mexico those are your two choices or seemingly those are your two choices which as christians we know we're not our hope is in christ and the blood Mm. that he spilt and the promises that he gives Mm. Um, And that's the message that Pablo is bringing, that it's not the government and it's not the cartel that's going to save you, but Christ already did that. Brian, those are comforting words. Thanks for sharing those. And thanks to both you and Denise for bringing us this amazing story of Pablo. This month, we'll be sending a video and more details of Pablo's story to everyone on our email list. So let me urge you to sign up at BibleLeague.org. That's BibleLeague.org. Then look for that very, very important email. Look for us on social media and let us know what you think about this podcast by emailing your comments to podcast at BibleLeague.org. That's podcast at BibleLeague.org. For this action podcast, I'm Michael Woolworth.